Well, good morning. How are we? Fantastic. I'm so glad you all made it today. Everyone dry. I know it was kind of pouring down rain this morning. But uh, today we're going to be addressing uh, a really important issue, I think, in our culture and in our country today. If you have smaller children in here with you, it might be a good idea to take them to uh, their appropriate class this morning because we're going to be talking about some pretty adult issues today. Um, and just want to you know, put that parental advisory uh, warning at the beginning because I don't want to send you home with all sorts of questions you were not prepared to answer uh, this afternoon. But uh, uh, it's a reality of our world, things that we need to be aware of and address and talk about because the fact that we don't talk about them or address them is why we're in the place we are in today. And so we are continuing in our, our uh, message series on the book of Psalms. We'll be in Psalms chapter 20, but we'll get in there just a little bit later, and it just so happens that Psalms 20 perfectly, I think, perfectly hits where we find ourselves in our nation today. See, every four years in the United States, the world comes to an end. Every four years, the world comes to an end. And the political scene in the United States of America today is a drama that perfectly infuses high school hysteria with the worst parts of the book of Revelation. If you think about all the drama and all the back and forth between the different sides and all the name-calling and boo-hooing and all the uh, world is going to come to an end, uh, global warming is going to destroy everything unless this political candidate is elected. And this is just kind of the climate that we're in today, and nothing... Uh, I, I'm a kind of a news junkie. I listen to talk radio. I watch the news, kind of follow up on uh, current events. And what I'm observing is that nothing that is being shared between really the two ruling classes, the Democrats or the Republicans, uh, nothing being shared about the opposing candidates other than the latest gossip and dirt that they were able to uncover on them. They, and they're throwing and mudslinging and throwing these attacks to elevate themselves over the other party, and nothing about the country is really being talked about, except uh, if that candidate that's talking in the moment isn't elected, then the world as we know it will be over. And so it, it's really just kind of hard to determine who is really the right choice. You know, all this talk of unstoppable debt, global warming, illegal immigration, terrorism, even now nuclear war with Russia is being levied against the qualifications of the opposing side. Uh, this year, we've heard many attacks against uh, Donald Trump from the Hillary campaign that Trump has no experience and is unfit to lead our country, when only eight years ago, the same, very same things were said about our current president, Barack Obama. This world is a, in a mess, but yet here we are. We're still around, though Mr. Obama seemed to have no experience. Trump has accused Hillary about not having the moral authority or the fortitude to be president of the United States. And yet this week we've seen and, and have been uncovered all of his dirty laundry with now this videos of exposing his true character. So back and forth, every day something new comes out about the other, slamming them and uh, bringing down their qualifications. And so the elections today coming up in November, really has boiled down to which side has been able to hype themselves up higher and beat down the other side lower in enough time to win votes on November the 8th. And uh, while we hear very little about policy solutions and, and the different things that actually matter in our nation, the message that's getting most conveyed most heavily 
is that we as a nation and as a world are really in trouble. That we are really in some serious trouble. And that no matter who is elected, that either candidate would not bode well for our country. And if I'm honest with you, I tend to agree with that very statement. It's very scary, the world that we're in right now. There are other candidates running for the United States, other parties that are also running for the presidency, but they get very little spotlight, very little attention, which is by design by the other two ruling classes of the United States to keep them from having a real shot at winning. So most of us in this room probably don't even know their names, leaving us with two really poor choices, in my opinion, for the presidency. And when you allow yourself to get caught up in all of this hysteria, nothing other than fear really is generated in our hearts. You think about a Donald Trump presidency, and you're like, oh, no. And you think about a Hillary Clinton presidency, and you're like, oh, no. What are we going to do? There's fear on either side. And there's a concerted effort by each candidate to capitalize on that fear, to drive our faith toward them as if they are only the only one that can save the day. Basically, these candidates are trying to evangelize the nation as false messiahs in order to... Uh, for us to believe that they could save our world, save our nation. And without realizing it, the more we get sucked into the different arguments and, and attacks, we fall into the trap. We begin to trust that these government officials will be able to potentially ensure our safety and prosperity. But the reality is, for us today, that these candidates cannot ensure our safety and prosperity. No government can no government can. And you ask why? Isn't that their job? Aren't they there to protect us and to make America great? That's their job, yes, but they cannot do it. And the reason is, is because they are human too. They are human. And just as much as they think they're perfect and try to relay to us that they're the perfect candidate, they make mistakes they make bad calls, they enact bad policy, and ultimately they are not as powerful as they think they are. In Job chapter 12, verses 23 through 24, this is what Job says uh, about God. In verse 23, he says, he builds up nations and he destroys them. He expands the nations and he abandons them. He strips kings of understanding and leaves them wandering in a pathless wasteland. The reality is for us, and the truth is that we need to believe, is that these candidates are nothing without the blessing of God on their leadership. They're nothing. God is the one true God. He is the one in sovereign control over the entire earth. It doesn't matter how much experience or how little experience. It doesn't matter their moral character versus their immoral character. They cannot rise up and succeed without God's say-so. They will not rise up to leadership without God's hand of blessing on their candidacy. And the thing we need to remember is that God himself is the one that appoints every government official, from our president down to our police. They are not here by chance. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, this is Paul's word to the church of Rome. Here's what he says to the church, to Christians in Rome in that day. He says, everyone must submit to the governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Then do what is right, and they will honor you. 
The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Keep in mind, this is Paul speaking to the church of Rome during the reign of Nero, one of the most vile and evil emperors Rome had ever seen. He persecuted more Christians. The, the word is that he used to take Christians. He would, he would dip them in oil, stake them, uh, put their heads on a pike, stake them, and plant them in the Colosseum, lighting them on fire, using their burning bodies as the light for the games in the night. This guy was a wicked guy. His very same thing we see happening with Christians under ISIS control in the Middle East is the same thing happening under Nero. And here Paul says, you must submit to them. This is no easy task. But the reason why we have this commandment to submit to our government, to those that are in authority, is because they are appointed by God himself. Like it or not, like him or not, God appointed President Barack Obama. And like it or not, God is going to appoint either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, depending on the outcome of the election. And we can look at the two candidates and say this one is more evil than the next. But the truth is, whomever is chosen has been sent either to bless us or to discipline us by God. Someone once said that God gives us leaders we deserve, not necessarily the leaders we want. And as ungodly as our culture has been becoming... We deserve someone who will wake us up from this spiritual blindness and bring us to our knees in prayer. That's what we deserve. We need a godly leader who is going to lead this nation in a godly way, but the United States of America for, for decades has been a lot like Israel when they defected from the faith in the Bible. America was meant to flourish under the Constitution of the United States, because the assumption was, from the writers of the Constitution, that we would always be a Christian nation. The Constitution was written, according to our founding fathers, for a moral and a godly people. So as long as we were a Christian nation, that we had the freedom to worship God without government overreach, we would have the greatest nation in the world because as individuals, we would seek out to honor God with our lives personally, and that would then be reflected in our government corporately, because the government answers to the people, not the people to the government. But over the years, the makeup of America has changed. Christianity still is the majority religion in our nation, but many of those in the majority are not true followers of Jesus Christ. They're simply affili affiliated with Christianity, either through family tradition or church membership. Many people who call themselves Christians walk these streets as Christian atheists. They acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but they deny him with their lifestyle. And this is why we see the moral environment in our nation rapidly declining. This is what used to be common sense, that boys would use the boys' restroom and girls would use the girls' restroom is now a complicated issue, and there's no clear understanding of right and wrong any longer. CoverGirl, the makeup company, now has their first ever cover boy. Seems to be an oxymoron because of the name of the, the company. But in our culture today, you can be whatever you want, regardless of what God designed you to be. Our culture is dazed and confused. But what is more alarming than this downward spiral of morality in our culture is that last week, in relation to the comments undercover that were spoken by Mr. Trump, 
Number one, the outrage over Mr. Trump's comments are overshadowing all of the illegal handling of highly classified material, as well as the collusion with the media and the government agencies to cover up the crimes of Hillary Clinton. We'd rather focus on some comments than actual crimes. We would rather bark about lewd remarks and what they could potentially mean without any evidence versus the fact that one candidate has actually com compromised national security in order to enact these pay-for-play schemes to advance her bottom line with a mountain of evidence, including obstruction of justice. That's fact. But number two, why this is so outrageous to me, is that I have two daughters, and I'm furious that any man would even think that they could treat a woman like that, and that's okay. The outrage that a man would think he could put his hands on a woman just because he wanted to, and he could get away with it, is disgusting. But the outrage from our culture is equally disgusting because it is entirely hypocritical. It's not only that the Christians in our culture are so quick to judge him as if they have no sin themselves, but our entire culture participates in, enjoys, supports, and celebrates, even craves this type of behavior. This is all over the media. And even more so, just tame shows that you would consider family-friendly on television. But today... There is not one raunchy comedy that comes out to the theater or one new HBO show that comes out that doesn't glorify this type of behavior by depicting and even making a joke out of it. One of the more popular shows on cable TV is a show called Game of Thrones. There's a website called the Internet Movie Database where you can research any show or television uh, series, uh, any movie, and you can go see what it's rated and what it's rated for and the content that's actually in the movie in the parental advisory section. If you do a quick search on the IMDb website and you look up Game of Thrones and look under the tab that says sex and nudity, it says it's rated TV mature for extreme scenes of strong, bloody, brutal, graphic violence involving gore and rape, explicit sexual content involving graphic sex and nudity, frightening images, and strong language. And this is one of the most popular shows out there. You don't think men aren't grabbing women inappropriately in this show? That it's not being depicted as something that would make a man feel powerful, like a fantasy he would want to be a part of? That these heroes that are supposed to be the good guys aren't participating in this type of filth? It's absolutely true. Men from every century in history have had multiple wives, have had concubines for one reason only. And that's to fulfill their sinful, wicked, sexual desires. Solomon didn't have 600 wives and 900 concubines because he wanted to honor and respect them. It's estimated that 9.3 million people watched Game of Thrones. If Trump's comments are so outrageous, then why as a nation do we even allow this to be depicted in our entertainment? And how are we entertained by this? How are we entertained by this? Not to mention a recent and very popular book called Fifty Shades of Grey, which is all about a man who has this sick desire to abuse women when he's intimate with them. He coerces her into consenting to allow him to abuse her when they come together. It's, it was all the rage. Matter of fact, they're releasing a sequel to the movie, and the trailer broke internet records. And I saw on a 
uh, a thread talking about Trump's comments. Someone mentioned this book, and on Facebook, a person in defense of Fifty Shades of Grey said, you know, that doesn't apply because in Fifty Shades of Grey, they're consensual adults. They agreed to do that, so it's not as bad as what Trump said and did. It's no big deal. A few years ago, as Fifty Shades of Grey was released as a book and was being turned into a movie, Planned Parenthood decided to get in on the action and released a PSA to teenagers that was promoting what they call the BDSM culture, which is the same type of behavior found in that book. And in this video, it instructs uh, these teenagers that if you're going to dabble in the darker side of sex, to ensure that you come up with a safe word so it doesn't get out of control. Now, she claims that BDSM is not abuse. And I have to ask myself, if you have to have a safe word, what does that tell you? If you have to have a safe word to make sure it doesn't come out of, you know, get out of control and someone doesn't cross the line, what does that tell you about what is going on? You know, the fact that strippers and porn stars usually apply for the job makes it consensual. They get paid lots of money to do that type of work. It is consensual, but many of them suffer from PTSD just the same as military combat personnel returning from war. Many of them are addicted to drugs and alcohol because they have to medicate themselves in order to cope with what they're doing and endure it to keep working in the industry. Consent means diddly. And the reason is because it is not what God intended for sex and for intimacy. That type of abuse, that type of selfish desire is not what God intended. However, it is what the enemy intended. Satan's plan is to steal kill and destroy what God intended when he created intimacy was something beautiful, something intimate, something that would draw a man and a woman together in oneness in the covenant of marriage. But Satan has twisted corrupted desire. He's corrupted our understanding of sex and turned it into something that we have to have protection from. And when you look at our entire culture, from the popularity of sexual hedonism during spring break, we're going down to Mardi Gras for religious purposes. To every ad using sex to sell its products. Exploiting the female form to, to, to sell its product. From the NFL cheerleaders, to the waitresses at Hooters, to the costumes of the female superheroes in all the comic books. And good luck, ladies, finding a costume that's not immodest for Halloween. Good luck. Good luck. Even family-friendly shows, all the hot girls on TV, the camera tends to pan them up and down so every young and old man can check out their goods and their tight clothes and the short shorts and low-cut shirts. This is our culture today. You cannot get away from the fact that our culture thrives on having an environment that objectifies women and helps promote what they're now calling a rape culture. According to online statistics in the year 2013, the NFL corporately made $9 billion. Major League Baseball made $8 billion. The NBA made around $5 billion the year before. In 2013 as well, the porn industry raked in an estimated $12 billion, making pornography America's actual favorite pastime. It's in an industry that makes money on the objectification and rape of women, if our culture is appalled at Donald Trump, then it needs to take a look at our nation's favorite pastime. It needs to take a look at what 
actually encourages men to desire and the way they want men to think and to explore in their fantasies. In 2003, according to a CBS online article entitled Porn in the USA, Mary Beth Buchanan, the U.S. Attorney for the Western District of Pennsylvania and the point person in the Justice Department's campaign to rein in pornography, was leading the charge on prosecuting indecency in the, in the media. Buchanan's prosecution of a California company called Extreme Associates is the first major obscenity case brought by the federal government in more than a decade, since 2003. She believes that three films produced and distributed by Extreme Associates by mail and over the internet contain coercive and violent sex along with other material that is vile and degrading. One film includes shots of women getting raped, murdered, suffocation, strangulation, beatings, just to name a few. And we, as a nation, are upset with Donald Trump. Like, really? That's who we're upset about. That's who we're upset about? It's Donald Trump? You see, the problem with our economy is it works on a principle called supply and demand. If there was no demand, then there would be no reason for supply. And the very demand for lewd sexual fulfillment in our country is extremely high. You can actually go into the Bible and read about a place called Sodom and Gomorrah, and you'll probably find an accurate description. There's a, a movement, a Christian movement called Promise Keepers. It's a, a, it's a, a movement that designed different events to help encourage men to be faithful in marriage and be faithful before marriage, kind of a purity movement. And uh, a poll was conducted after one of their, one of their events of the men that, that attended the event. And within one week of this purity event, talking about faithfulness and, and, and being pure in character and being... Uh, uh, honest in marriage, 50% of the men that attended that event said that they viewed pornography within a week after the event. That specifically talked about staying pure, staying true. You see, porn isn't just a problem outside these walls. It's a problem inside the church too. And we excuse it by saying, oh, Game of Thrones isn't that bad. It's, it's not one of those you have to go behind the back wall to rent. Fifty Shades of Grey isn't that bad. That's all mutual, and that's just the way people are today. See, we try to minimize our sin and its effects to justify our behavior. But my question is, is how can we change, as the church, how can we change the culture of objectification if the men supposed to be leading the charge in the fight are the ones consuming the supply? And since there is a demand our enemy will continue to find a way to provide the supply, which is through manipulating women to promote their sexuality through dressing provocatively and crossing the lines of moral decency, just like he convinced Eve and made it think it was a good idea. See, there are two sides to every problem. There is the demand side, the problem with the men, but then there's also the supply side. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, this is Timothy uh, receiving a letter from Paul the Apostle. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing, not to draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or, or pearls or expensive clothes. What he's telling Timothy here is that no, women are not responsible for man's sin, but they are responsible for providing the supply that contributes to it. If women in TV and in film would refuse 
to participate in the depiction of immoral behavior. If women would stop applying for jobs at strip clubs and porn studios, if they would refuse to dress sexy in order to boost ratings on TV, if they would refuse to dress and act in ways that draw the attention of men, capitalizing on the lust of their heart in a provocative manner, then you would greatly reduce access to the supply, which would then reduce the opportunity to objectify women and help solve the problem. This perverse culture would no longer be just how it is. But because we have a world that has fallen deep into moral decay, where the average child is exposed to pornography by age 12, and young men are taught by the media, whether through music or television or movies or music videos, to objectify women and that they only exist to fulfill their sexual desires, boys will continue to grow up as men who do not honor and respect women nor desire to honor and respect women. It's about what I can get, not what I can provide. And because they don't have fathers who have grown up teaching them to honor and respect women through their example and through their words. And this is so why God designed and God honoring families where dad is pastor, protector, and provider is so key. We need men to rise up to their God-given calling to cover their sons in a holy covering so they will grow up pure of heart and they will have two eyes that are submitted to God. If the eyes are the doorway to the heart, then we need a covering to guard their eyes so their hearts don't walk after foreign flesh. But sadly, so many men are hiding in the shadows rather than standing out in front leading the charge in the light. I said in my post this week on Facebook, I said... I am scared because I look around and I see how many young girls there are growing up in the church. And then I look around to see where the men are. Where are the godly men? Where are the men that my daughters are going to grow up and desire to be with? The men who love Jesus more than they love their sin. Men who keep themselves pure and holy before marriage. Men who don't try to manipulate my daughters to give them something in order to feel loved. The men who lead my daughters in faith and in prayer and in church uh, service and in ministry. Who teach them the word of God and lead them in ways that are of holiness and righteousness. And in turn teach their kids the ways of holiness and righteousness. And I look out at the numbers and I'm scared to death. By the time my daughters get old enough to marry, they're probably going to have to stay single and wait for some dude at 40 years of age to get through his third divorce and finally wake up from God saying, look at the life you led, get your act together, and him finally decide to take his faith seriously. And now that's her only option, to marry a guy with baggage because he didn't take his faith seriously when he was a young man. Scares me to death. I got to walk my daughters down the aisle for that? How fair is that? How fair is that for my sons to grow up in a culture where they can't look at the billboards going down the street without seeing half-naked women everywhere and expect them not to fail in some way? Well, how is that fair? It's not. Women are left to choose from men who only know how to manipulate and take advantage of them, leaving them to navigate a culture that objectifies them. So does it surprise me what Donald Trump said? No, it makes perfect sense. And as minimizing as it sounds to call it locker room talk, that's actually what it is. Not every guy that I know talks that way, but I know a lot of guys that do. 
And the problem with this hypocritical society is that it's been forgotten that it used to be said in the olden days that there was conversation that wasn't polite for mixed company. Your parents ever tell you about that? You know what that means? That means it's not wrong what you said. It's just wrong to say it in front of a female. That's what that means. So what Donald Trump is saying about locker room talk, that's exactly, it's, we've been saying it for years. We've just been saying it a different way. But in today's society, scary part, girls talk just as bad as the guys. I work downtown in the inner city, and you'd be surprised some of the conversation I hear come out of the mouths of 16 and 17-year-old girls. Especially with social media now and sexting and other habits that are out of control. Applications like Tinder and things that simply exist to help you have a one-time stand. Our kids are in trouble. And for someone to think that a child can grow up into this culture being exposed to images, messages that excuse deviant behavior from an early age and not think what Donald Trump thought and even do the things that he's talked about doing, you're only kidding yourself. You're fooling yourself. Your head is in the sand to think that that's not a real reality. Add the allure of money, fame, and influence to a celebrity status, and now you have the ingredients for a common rap video. It's everywhere. It's no surprise. This is why our culture is so confused on many moral issues, including issues regarding sex. I mean, have we forgotten the dastardly things that came out about Bill Clinton while he was in the White House? Should any of this take us by surprise? Is what Donald said worse than the over 50 million babies that were aborted since Roe versus Wade was passed through the Supreme Court? I mean, if we value life in our Constitution, it says we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Do their lives not count? Do the lives of the millions of women, potential women, that, that were ended in infancy not count? Or does it only matter those that are living and breathing? See, if we could get a glimpse in the minds of any of these politicians, even the ones that seem to be more righteous than the other, we would see darkness we don't want to see and hope wasn't there. Because they are sinners, just as we are. That's why getting swept up in the fears and hysteria and drama of the political season is actually really unnecessary. Because there is none righteous, no, not one. There is no one worthy to be in that office. There is no candidate who's squeaky clean before God. Eventually, something will always come out. But what's more important than what someone has said is what someone has done. And when you compare both the lives of Hillary Clinton and Donald together, you know what? Neither one of them can take the moral high road. Donald may take the cake on personal scandal, but Hillary wins the prize on political scale with all the lies and breaking of laws to cover what she has done. So we're left with a very difficult choice. And I'm not here going to advocate for any candidate today. That's not why we're here. That's not why we gather. If I was going to give you any advice, this is what I would say is vote for the party that most represents your faith. Not even the candidate, the party. Look at their platform. See what they stand for and see how it lines up with the word of God. Because I can't for the life of me find any justification to support a candidate that promotes abortion or any other immoral issue in our nation. Because they'll just continue to lead us away from the blessings of God. 
You see, the promise of God that's found in 2 Chronicles said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, will turn from their sin and seek my face, if my people will repent, if my people will pray, if my people will seek after me, he says, then the healing for the nation will come. That means we must turn from our sin, not revel in it, not run to it, which means we can't be voting for candidates that will lead our nation further and further into sin. As Christians, we must vote according to our faith because we are Christians before we are Americans. We are Christians before we are a Democrat or a Republican or any other party. Our allegiance to Jesus comes before everything. See, government cannot redeem us, so we must redeem our government. And we have to remember that our trust is not in our government. Our trust is not in our politicians. Even though they are appointed by God, our trust is in something greater. And this brings us today to our text found in Psalm chapter 20. Psalm 20 is a prayer over the people of Israel. And today it's my heart's cry. The heart song that we need to be singing over our nation and praying over our nation today in the midst of the wickedness of this land and the tense political climate. We're just going to read this together. Psalm 20, beginning verse 1. It says, In times of trouble, may the Lord answer your cry. May the name of God, the God of Jacob, keep you safe from all harm. May he send you help from his sanctuary and strengthen you from Jerusalem. May he remember all your gifts and look favorably on your burnt offerings. Salah. May he grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy when we hear of your victory and raise a victory banner in the name of our God. May the Lord answer all your prayers. Now I know that the Lord rescues his anointed king. He will answer him from his holy heaven and rescue him by his great power. And here is our key verse today. This is the verse we need to rest our faith on today. Verse 7 says, Some nations boast of their chariots and horses. But we boast in the name of the Lord, our God. Another translation says, some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of our God. That is where our trust is today. That is where our faith falls today. You see, we don't have any reason to be afraid. We have no reason to fear. Because we don't trust in our country or our candidates. We trust in the Lord, our God. It's in God we trust. Every dollar, every coin reminds us of where our help comes from. It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and on earth. No matter who is elected, no matter what conflict arises or what circumstances we face, our trust is in the Lord of heaven and of earth. And you could ask, why? Why do we rest our trust there? Verse 8, Psalm chapter 20 says, those nations, which ones? The ones that trust in chariots. The ones that trust in horses, those nations will fall down and collapse. But who? We will rise up and stand firm. We as the church of Jesus Christ will rise above everything that comes our way. We have no reason to fear. The church cannot and will not be defeated. God's people will prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. We will endure. We will continue on. We will prosper in every Thing we do because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Some of us, just like the early church in Rome, some of us may give our lives for the fight of, the, of injustice, for the fight for truth and for righteousness, but that's not a bad thing if you are in Christ. 
Because Paul said to be absent from this body is to be present with our God. We've been called to a higher calling, and we have a heavenly inheritance that is waiting for us on the other side. To leave this body is actually a blessing because we're done with the curse of sin and death, and we're entering into the joy of our Lord. Someone to bring an early death for us is actually doing us a favor. We have no reason to fear. The psalm ends with a prayer for the king. Verse 9 says, Give victory to our king, O Lord, and answer our cry for help. We need help. But no matter how far, how morally far America falls, the church is going to rise in glory. Together we should pray even now, just as the psalmist is praying, God, give victory to America's king. Even though we don't know who's going to be elected, God, give victory to America's king. God, bless the next president of the United States of America. Bless and guide the one you have appointed for this next season in our country. May they honor you in all they do. May they lead us in holiness and righteousness. May they lead honorably with all wisdom. May they unite us, not divide us. May they fight to rescue the oppressed and bring aid to those in need. May they stand firm alongside your people Israel and bless them so we too may be blessed. May they restore our dignity and respect and reputation in the world, enabling us to do good for our fellow man and lead others into your ways. Oh, hear us, O oh God, for we do not trust in chariots, but we trust in you. You see, the thing about healing the land and that promise and the changing of our nation, the restoration of righteousness, is that God has already revealed the plan. The first step in changing our nation is that God wants to change you. You and me. Do you want to end the objectification of women? Do you want to end the rape culture in America so our daughters can grow up without fear? then you men need to quit creating the demand. And ladies, you need to quit providing the supply. Men, quit buying the products and immersing yourself in the images that draw your eyes away from your spouse or your future spouse only to wander after foreign flesh and foreign gods. Psalm 119 verse 9, the psalmist asks a question. It says, how can a young person stay pure? And then they answer their own question. It says, by obeying the word of God. How can we stay pure? By obeying the word of God. Well, what does his word say about staying pure? Psalm 101 verse 3 says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. Refuse. I mean, I'm not going to go to the club. Why? Because I refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I'm not going to watch that show. Why? I refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I'm not going to go to that party. Why? Because I refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. My God and my faith far exceeds my desire to walk in sin in this life. I refuse it. I hate those who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. We need men who will champion that verse, that calling in their life that will lead that fight so that our girls, our daughters, our wives don't have to walk around in the objectification 
culture that we live in today. Men, we need to guard our eyes. We need to protect our hearts. We need to teach our sons to do the same thing. We need to show them by how we live what it is to honor and cherish a wife so your sons can aspire to be uh, and follow in your footsteps and your daughters can know what kind of husband and man they should marry. So just because entertainment is cool doesn't make it godly. And it's time for men to start choosing godliness over selfishness. Ladies, you need to protect your bodies as the gifts that God designed them to be, the gifts that they are. You were made as a gift to be unwrapped by your husband. Don't let anyone unwrap the gift prematurely. Don't let anyone get a peek of the prize who is not your spouse. Teach your daughters to be chaste and pure before marriage and in marriage, to desire godliness over good looks and getting attention. Don't be the stumbling block and then blame the one who stumbles. See, together, as men and women of the church of Jesus Christ, we should live pure and blameless lives and share the message of the gospel with everyone we can so the Spirit of God can bring new life and open the eyes to those who are lost and in darkness. See, as men and women of the church, as we work together, we can change the objectification culture. We can change the rape culture. We can tear down the shrines and the high places and rededicate this ground to the Lord our God, just like in the days of old. We can see the change that will truly lead this nation to be great again, but it's not going to happen through an elected official. It's not going to happen unless the church of Jesus Christ takes their faith seriously and begins to stand in the gap for truth and righteousness. And that starts in your very own life. Should I vote, Pastor Joey? The answer is yes. So vote according to your faith. Should I be afraid of the outcome? No. Because we don't trust in elections. We trust in the Lord. I saw a quote this week by Max Licato. It says this. It says, I have a prediction. I know exactly what November 9th will bring. Another day of God's perfect sovereignty. He will still be in charge. His throne will still be occupied, and he will still manage the affairs of the world. And that is where our trust lies today. Let's bow our heads and go into a time of prayer. So many times we walk through this world willingly blind to the issues at hand. Willingly blind to how we even contribute to the issues we so disgust or disgusted by or so repulsed by. My word to the men today is that if you've not been protecting your eyes, if you've been giving yourself over to the gods of entertainment and contributing to the objectification of women and what you watch and where you go and in how you think and in how you speak, today you repent. You repent of your sin. In just a moment, as the band plays, I'm going to invite you to come forward to the front of the stage and make the first row of seats or the stage area an old-fashioned altar, and you lay yourself down before God, and you give God your heart and your life again, and you repent. Commit today to make a covenant with your eyes that you will not look at a woman lustfully, that you will not contribute to this objectification culture and be contributing to the demand that exists in the world for this sinful wickedness. And women today, if you've been more concerned with 
getting the looks and attention than being holy, you need to come forward and repent as well. To confess your sins today, to make a covenant, to live a pure and modest life, one that seeks righteousness over sexiness. To honor the Lord and be an example to the younger generations. To all who are listening today, if you've been living outside of God's will and design for marriage by living and doing whatever your lustful heart desires, your hook up, shack up, break up, and so on, today you need to confess your sins and submit yourself to God. Give God your heart. You see, our sin doesn't just affect us. The sexual revolution of the 60s is still having a reverberating effect in our generation. And the healing of our nation, the entire land, begins with the repentance of a single heart. You want to see the change? Well, the change has to begin with you. And my prayer is that you let it begin with you today. As we go into a time of prayer, we begin to stand and sing. I would rather you pray than worship. And let your repentance be your act of worship today. My challenge is for you is to not stay silent any longer. Not to cover up what you've been hiding. Stop hanging out in the dark and begin to walk in the light today. Father, I just pray in this room, God, we are all guilty of sin. There's not a person here that has, has been freed of anything to confess. God, we have pride, we have uh, jealousy, we have anger, we have so many things that and we battle with on a daily basis, God. But in this area of sexual purity, in this area of objectification and selfishness, God, I just pray that it would not be known of the church of Jesus Christ. That today revival would happen, God, that we would submit ourselves to you, that men would step up and step out and begin to be the leaders in their homes and provide that covering. God, they would free their family of the attacks of the enemy by repenting of their sin and closing the door to the enemy in that area of their lives. God, that they would step up to their holy calling and begin leading this next generation in your ways. God, I pray for the women of the church, Lord, that they would step out and do the same. That we would put our faith before our fear. God, that we would surrender ourselves and submit ourselves to you. And God, that, that promise that if we who are called by your name will humble ourselves and pray and turn from our sin and seek your face. God, that the healing we so desperately want to see in the land the healing we want to see take place in our nation, God, that that would begin right here at Vertical Life Church. And it would begin as a wave throughout our community and our nation. God, if there's anyone here that has yet to begin a personal relationship with you, that has yet to experience you coming to live inside and making their heart your home, God, I pray that they would call out to you today in prayer, that they would confess their sin to you, God, and they would accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They would declare him to be the Lord of their lives today and commit their life to following him. I pray, God, that you would be Lord over this time as we give this to you in Jesus' name.